Well, we give a warm welcome to everybody, both here and those who are at home and online. And we pray that the Lord would guide us by his Spirit as we seek to worship him. We're going to begin our worship of God by singing to his praise in Psalm number 40, page 259, singing verses 1 through to the end of the double stanza 5. Six stanzas. I waited for the Lord my God and patiently did bear. At length to me he did incline my voice and cry to hear. He took me from a fearful pit and from the mighty clay, and on a rock he set my feet, establishing my way. And so on to the end of the double stanza five. I waited for the Lord my God. together in prayer let us pray we pray O Lord that thou wouldst guide us by thy spirit so that as we enter into the public worship of thee we may do so recognizing thee as God Father Son and Holy Spirit thou art God of very God 
And in Thee alone we live, we move, and we have our being. We do thank Thee that we have the opportunity towards the close of this Thine holy day to come together as a company of Thy people, to give recognition to Thee as the one who has done so much for us. For Thou didst not deal with us according to our deserving Neither hast thou rewarded us according to our iniquity. But rather, O Lord, thou hast shown mercy. Thou hast shown favour toward us. Not because we were deserving. Not because we did some great thing. But because thou art a merciful God. And thou hast chosen from all eternity a people for thyself. And we pray that we were not presumptuous in our awareness of this, but that we would recognize that what we have is as a result of the finished work of Christ and that applied to us. For thou descend thine only beloved Son into this world to redeem a people unto himself. And we do thank Thee that He fulfilled everything that was anticipated and expected of Him. Having laid down His life a ransom for His people, He took the punishment that was our deserving, the very wrath of God and the forsakenness of His Father. And all this to redeem a people to Thyself. So Lord, we pray that we will never lose sight of the great privilege that is ours and how he in his infinite mercy has looked upon us so tenderly and lovingly though we are not deserving. And we would ask of thee to be a blessing upon all that is done in thy name what has been done this day in this congregation. We thank thee for the ministry of thy word that reminds us that the things of this world are not the things that we ought to give consideration to, but rather to those things which are spiritual and eternal. We thank Thee for the ministry of Thy servant this morning, and we pray that Thou wouldst encourage him. And we do pray that Thou wouldst encourage the congregation as it seeks to serve Thee and live according to Thy truth. We pray Thy blessing upon the congregation, and again we give thanks unto thee for all that gather together, and especially the young ones, a rising generation. They are not the future church, they are the present church. And we pray that their young lives would be used of thee, and that the tenderness of their years would show forth the glory of Christ. Bless the work of the Sabbath school and the youth clubs and we pray that thou would continue to work in the hearts of children maybe many children throughout these communities that very hear very little of the gospel narrative and we pray that when they come to these clubs and sabbath schools we pray that thou lord would do them good teaching them and encouraging them the things of christ we pray for all our loved ones we pray especially for those of the congregation who are not able to be with us that because of illness, infirmity of years, because that thou, O Lord, dost know their every particular need, and we pray that thou wouldst help them. For those who have recently gone through troublesome and difficult times, and maybe others who are going through difficult times of which we are not aware. But all are known to thee, and we do thank thee. Thou art calling each and every one of us to cast our burden upon thee, for thou dost care for us. In our gathering together this evening, we pray that thou hast opened to us the word of life and speak to us through it. We pray that it might be a challenge in these lives of ours, for we have the responsibility to fulfill all righteousness as it has been laid upon our hearts. Lord, the Lord Jesus is our great example 
And he is the one that goes before us, breaking up the way. He is the one that helps us and enables us to do his will and at the same time delight in it. O Lord, we pray then that thou wouldst open our minds to the word of life. Go before us then and take away all offence, loving us in Jesus. For we ask it in his name. Amen. We're now going to sing in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 at verse 9. And we're going to sing uh, to the end of this section. Psalm 119 at verse 9. By what means shall a young man learn his way to purify? If he according to thy word thereto give attentive be. Unfeignedly thee have I sought with all my soul and heart. O let me not from the right path of thy commands depart. And let us sing on to the end of the verse, Mart 14, is it? 14, sorry. Yes, by what means shall a young man learn? Gospel in chapter 9. John chapter 9, and we're going to read the whole of the chapter. I know it's a bit long, but it's all self contained. And what this message is, it's good to read the whole thing. As he, that is Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents that he was born blind Jesus answered it was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him we must work the works of him who sent me 
Sorry. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbours and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes, so that the Pharisees again asked him how he had received the sight. And he said to them, He put mud in my eyes, and I washed and see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things, do such do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son? who you say was born blind, how then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but how he but now but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did you open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet... He opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of the man, a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. 
They answered him, You were both, you were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said unto him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. For judgment, Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees that need him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you'd have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Amen. And may God bless to us that reading of his word and to his name be all the praise. Shall we come before God in prayer again? Let us pray. Every time, O Lord, we are exposed to thy word, it is a reminder to us of the frailty of each and every one of us, and how far short we come of thy glory. Thou hast set the seal of thy love upon us for a purpose, that we may be thy disciples and followers of thee, the living and the true God. And we pray that thou wouldst help us day by day to furnish ourselves with the things that matter most. For light has come into the world, but we know and we recognize even from our own experience that although light has come into this world, yet darkness sometimes is our preference. O Lord, lead us in an upright way. Help us to walk in the way that Christ would have us go. Help us to follow him to know him as our Saviour, our Redeemer and friend. And this we pray not for ourselves alone, but we pray for our generation. Thou dost know the heart of man, how desperately wicked it is. Thou dost know the unbelief that encircles the world. Thou dost see and recognise, because thou dost sit in the circle of the world, and thou dost see all that is going on. There is nothing hid from thy gaze. And we pray that the nations of the world would listen to the voice of God calling, that men and women, young and old, would repent and turn to him. We thank thee, O Lord, for the historicity of our own nation in terms of the gospel. And yet it is to our shame, like many times it was to the shame of thine own ancient people, that they left the love of God and turned to the things and the idols of this world. O Lord, we plead with thee that thou hast come amongst us as a nation, as a people. Turn us, we pray thee, to thyself. Make us a willing people in the day of thy power. We would ask of thee, O Lord, to remember thy cause and kingdom. We pray that thou wouldst uphold and sustain the work of ministry throughout the world. We pray for all missionaries. We commend them to thee. We pray for their protection. For we know that in this world that bears so much hatred to Christ and to his people, that there are many of thy people under threat. Many injured, many persecuted, many losing their lives. So, Lord, this one thing we do know, that nothing will separate them from the love of Christ, which, the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray then, O Lord, that thou would pull the barriers down of the evil one. Give protection to thy people, and may the ministry of thy word go on apace, that even this night souls would be one for Christ. So continue with us, we pray thee, and do thou undertake for us, forgiving all offence, loving us in Jesus. Amen.
Now we're going to sing in Psalm 66. Psalm 66. And again it's in the traditional version. Psalm 66, singing from verse 13 to verse 20. Into dry land the sea turned. Sorry. Oh, I got the wrong verse. Sorry. I bring burnt offerings to thy house. To thee my vows I'll pay. Which my lips uttered, my mouth spake when trouble on me lay. Burnt a sacrifice of fat rams. With incense I will bring. Of bullocks and of goats I will present an offering and so on to the end of the psalm from verse 13 I'll bring burnt offerings to thy house enabling I would like us to turn with you to the words that we have read in John's Gospel in chapter 9 and if I just open with the beginning because I want to deal with the theme that is running through the whole of this chapter and that is what I would suggest this blind man's confession and profession and the reason I take it as a whole and why it's important to read the whole of this chapter is because of its detail 
and its instruction, and yes, and the very witness of this blind man to each and to every one of us. Let me read at the beginning. As he, that is Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? A very searching heart, and yet one that suggests a great deal of ignorance. An ignorance on the part of the disciples. An ignorance with regard to individual people in the world. Maybe your next door neighbour, it may be a member of your family, and we may all come to conclusions with regard to those whom we know, even those whom we are supposed to love. And these disciples, as the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, having experienced the example of Jesus and his teaching, ought to have been much more aware of the attitude that we bear as believers in Christ. The Apostle Paul in this Second Corinthians in chapter 3, at the very beginning of that chapter, he talks about you and I as epistles known and read of all men. And that is very true. And that's what I want to suggest that is highlighted in the whole of this passage, that this man is an epistle known and read of all men. But some of the features of the passage throw up things that maybe feel, make us feel uncomfortable at times, and maybe it should, because maybe we do not react to the world around us and those whom we know, and especially those who may not demonstrate a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who may even be totally ignorant. We've got to ask ourselves, what is my attitude toward the unbelieving community in the world in which we live? This poor man came under the scrutiny of so many people. But then again, so do you and I. If we are believers here this evening, we will certainly come under the scrutiny of the world around us. No matter what we say, what matters more than anything else in some respects is what we do. Now these disciples were asking a question. It was a fairly legitimate question, but it was an unfair question. Because like Jesus, at least not to the level that Jesus knew, but they knew this man. They knew that he was born blind. They knew what his status was in society, just in the same way as we know many people and how we would put our comments about them with regard to this life and this world. But it was a shame that the disciples could find themselves asking this question, considering that the grace of God had been in their own hearts. So it makes us and it gives us a warning that maybe we're not always what we should be. We certainly can very easily display a presumptuous spirit. Was it the case that these disciples, were they thinking at this time, as they were looking at this poor man and looking at Jesus and were they thinking that they were better than this poor man? Well, any one of us who searches our own hearts, who examines our own lives according to the light of the world, will know and recognize that we are all under the same scrutiny. Oh yes, we know the world is looking on, but it's the all-seeing eye of God that we must not forget. And for these disciples to say, who sinned, this man or his parents? Well, Jesus' response was very clear. 
Neither this man nor his parents had sinned that he was born blind. That's not that Jesus is saying that they weren't sinners or that he wasn't a sinner or that his parents weren't sinners. But as far as the blindness that was in him was concerned, it wasn't his own personal sin or even this personal sin of his parents that resulted in him being born blind. It was one of those things that had happened as a result of a fallen world and of sin having come in to this world. So Jesus tells the disciples, neither this man nor his parents sinned. How do you view people? How do I view people that we meet in the world? Do we have some kind of um, examination code with which we direct our attention to any individual and we make a judgment on them. Is it right? It always reminds me, even from this passage itself, that what Jesus says later on in John's Gospel, when he causes, he calls them to remember, you know, that when you and I make judgments, Remember that we make them with a righteous spirit. Judge not, he said, that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. That in itself is a frightening thought, especially if we find ourselves open and exposed, yes, to the criticism of the word of God, that we are too self-righteous. As I quoted there from the epistle of Paul to the Corinthians, the second one, chapter 3, we are his epistles written and known of all men. Now there is one thing sure. This poor man, he was well known in the community. He was well known at the temple gate. He probably sat there begging He was well known within the Pharisees, amongst the Pharisees, and we'll come to that in a moment or two. But even his neighbours, and this again I say is why it's important for us that we witness and we testify a true confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what happens with regard to his neighbours. Remember, we will have plenty of neighbours who will ascertain from everything that we do and everything that we say as to whether or not we are walking on a straight path. The neighbours therefore and they which were before had seen him that he was blind said, Is this not he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. That's part of his confession. I am the one. I am the one that have been, has been born blind. And I am the one that begs every single day. I am the one that is dependent upon others. I am the one that has been looked down upon by so many. What an experience it must have been for this young man. Even his very neighbours, they want to accuse him. They are of the same mind as even the disciples were. I mean, who are his neighbours? We are not really told who they were, but they certainly knew him from a very young age. They probably grew up with them, many of them. But they come under the same kind of category as you and I come under when we miss judge and when we want to find an answer to certain things of which there is no answer there is no doubt that this man's blindness as we have heard wasn't as the result of his parents sin or his own sins but that God would be glorified in what was going to take place and what was it that took place Jesus gave him sight Now, of course, the neighbours, 
they couldn't let it rest. And you will find yourselves many times, I am sure, criticised, contradicted by the way and the lifestyle that you live. It's interesting how even those who are unbelievers and godless people have this ability to ascertain the kind of life that we live as Christians. How often times we would hear the comment, call yourself a Christian? I'm sure if anyone has ever heard that said of them, it would make us feel very embarrassed, very ashamed. But that's what the neighbour might be able to say, and say even with honesty. Maybe our neighbours are ashamed sometimes of the way that they live. Would they be ashamed of the way that the disciples had treated this young man by questioning his parents' life, that he should be born blind? But of course the answer doesn't find a conclusion there either. The answer is taken then into the temple, or at least in part. Because these neighbours, not sufficiently supplied with enough information with regard to this young man, they take him to the Pharisees, and there they are quite sure they will get an answer about this man and his being born blind. The blind man had said to them, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I, and I went and washed and I received sight. What a miracle. I don't want to underestimate the greatness and the power of the miraculous working of the Lord Jesus Christ. Far from it. But I want us to be very sensitive to the experience of this young man. He has been confronted by disciples. He's been confronted, yes, by his neighbours. Now he's going to be taken through the mill by the Pharisees. And these are the ones that will, yes, tease out every last thing that they can. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then asked the Pharisees also, then, then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said to them, Again, this is all he knows. And maybe as young people seeking to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we didn't know very much. And if we were going to be questioned about everything we did or said, we might not be easy, easy for us to give an answer. And this is what he said. He put clay in mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keeps not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. Here this poor man blind. He is set up in the community. Amongst his neighbours. Yes, even the disciples have been there playing it. And now the Pharisees. They're going to tear him to shreds. That's their purpose. Do you ever feel vulnerable? Walking about in this world as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you ever feel vulnerable as to how you're going to hold your head up in a community that you know fine has an aggressive spirit against those who are the followers of Christ? I always feel for this man. I don't want to use the word that I feel sorry for him. I think that would be a bit demeaning. But I certainly do feel for him. I hope even as a Christian and from a human compassion. The Pharisees are going to lay it down before him. And this is what they said. These words, his parents, oh, sorry, and they asked them saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Again, it's passing the buck. 
They're looking for a reason for this man to be born blind, but they're also looking for a reason as to how it was that he received the sight. Okay, let us take it a bit personal. How would you answer somebody with regard to your own personal faith? Somebody who questions that you are a Christian. How easy is it to answer that question in a world that you know fine is a world of dogs and hyenas seeking every opportunity to tear at you? For this man, it must have been horrific. And yet he held his ground. It was enough that the disciples questioned his life. It was enough that his neighbours were questioning. It was enough that the Pharisees were now to pour scorn on it. What is happening? His parents are brought into the fray. Very often, as part of families, we find ourselves maybe at variance with even our parents, those who are our kith and kin. Not always easy to uphold what we believe in that kind of situation. You would have almost forgiven this man if he had said, right, that's it, I'm not going to speak to anybody else. Now think of what his parents were doing here. And think of what you and I do if we were in a similar kind of situation. His parents were obviously God-fearing in the sense of Judaic principles. They went to the synagogue. They went to the temple, maybe. They probably offered sacrifices, however minimal they might have been. But they knew this is one thing they couldn't get rid of. They knew their son was born blind. Was he an embarrassment to them? Are you an embarrassment to your family as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we any one of us? Have we brought shame in our families because of what we have done or because of what we are? There is no doubt for these parents and shame on them. They said to the Pharisees when they were questioned about this son of theirs, ask him he's old enough and the reason why they did that and again this is why people sometimes want to duck and dive to use colloquialism they want to duck and dive from the issue and the responsibility that we have what do they do he's old enough ask him why why could they not side up for him Do you find yourselves let down at times by those who you would anticipate would be your supporters in any situation? Not necessarily seeking that people would support you if you were doing things that you knew to be wrong. But your family, your parents, you would expect them to give you support. They don't seem to be giving encouragement to the young boy or the young man that he is now able to see. It's a travesty. It's a tragedy. Why? Because they are frightened of the, the rulers of the synagogue and the temple. Because they knew that they they in any way whatsoever suggested that the one that had healed their son and given them his sight back, given them his sight, I should say, that they would suggest it was Jesus. Because, as we are told in the passage, they would have been thrown out of the temple. And that's something that they couldn't abide. These words spake as parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age. 
Well, the Pharisees weren't going to get anywhere with the parents. What this man has been put through, and it ought to give us a sense of, yes, compassion towards people that we know that are maybe struggling in one way or another. The Jews come back again. What do they do? They take him and they say to him, Now, tell us again. Tell us again. They called the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And the blind man said, or the man that's in his sight restored or given his sight said, Whether he's a sinner or no, I don't know. But, he said, one thing I do know, the very thing that was important to him, that didn't seem to be very important to, yes, his neighbours, or the Pharisees, was that a miracle had happened. Because that would be the last straw. They couldn't accept that this Jesus would be the one that would get all the acclamation for what had taken place. He knew he was once blind, but now he sees. Now, of course, that brings me on to this whole thought. Although this is talking about a man's physical condition, this can all be translated into the experience of each and every one of us. Because blindness was something that we were all equipped with before the miracle of healing came upon us. Before we were taken out of the situation of godlessness and unbelief. Before we were given deliverance. This man was born blind. And all that he went through is what you and I have gone through in the spiritual realm. But you can truly say, yes, I once was born, was blind, but now I see. Can you say that? Yes, you can. As a believer in Christ this evening, you can truly say, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm very interested in how this blind man responds to these Pharisees. They keep wanting to question, but that is what they do. That's what the world does. And you will be questioned all the days of your life with regard to your faith, with regard to how you live your faith out wherever you are. Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. It's interesting how they latch on to something that is religious, but something that they don't even understand themselves, as we know from what Jesus says elsewhere. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing. Is he mocking them? Herein is a marvellous thing, he says, that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Is this man mocking the Jews? No, I don't think he's mocking them, but I think he's teaching them a lesson. They're the ones that seem to think that they have all the answers to everything in the society in which he lived. It must have been very troublesome for him, sitting at the gate of the temple, listening to all that was going on. There were probably plenty mumblings going on, people talking about this one, that one, and the next one. And he himself was, yes, the focus of much controversy. What a life to have to live in a state of blindness. It is even much worse, isn't it? We may have our physical sight, but if we are spiritually blind, we are walking through a world that is full of darkness. We don't know where to turn. We find ourselves in a state. But this man, 
Jesus has done something miraculous to him. But the disciples cast him out. Now again, there's not everything in detail in this passage. But this is one of the most detailed passages of any of the miracles of Jesus. And especially of the blind miracles of men being being given their sight. But the detail here is significant. Because this man is not finished. He's not finished with his situation. Yes, they cast him out. And Jesus knew it. Just in the same way that you and I, under the gaze of the world, looking upon us, mocking and ridiculing. But remember, you have Christ on your side. What can the world do to you? As Paul says in the Romans, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Who can separate us? Nobody, no one, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of Christ. And whatever the disciples had in their minds, in the thinking of this poor man, because that's how they classified him, they just looked upon him as just a poor creator. But he was more than that. He was a man with a soul. He was a man who was in need. And who was going to help him? You would have expected his parents. Oh, no doubt they had helped him a great deal up to this stage in life. But maybe he was becoming embarrassment that he was sitting begging. He couldn't fend for himself. The Pharisees certainly weren't going to give him support or help. So who was left? Who gives you and I support? It is Christ. When Jesus knew exactly what the Pharisees had done by casting him out, he went to him. This is what he told him. When he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe in the Son of God? And this great, as I would call it, profession of faith. He just says to him, he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? And Jesus tells him who he is. And immediately he says, I believe. But he did more than that. He worshipped him. And that's a singular event, I think, that is so important to us not to forget in the whole of this narrative. Jesus said at the very beginning that the regard to the man being born blind, yes, Jesus answered, neither is this man's sin nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. The works of God, yes, the man received his sight. But the man came to faith in the Lord Jesus and he worshipped him. Now we are living in a world that has its tentacles all around us. Trying to pull us down, trying to take us away from the comfort that we have in Christ. Make a mockery of our Christian life. But as Paul says, by the grace of God, we are what we are. And in that grace of God that we are, Paul says, you are living epistles known and read of all men. And that's what this man is too. He is a living epistle. Maybe that's part of the reason for the length of detail with regard to this great miracle worked upon this man. Yes, it is a miracle of, yes, healing, giving sight. But it's more than that. It is the work of God. And that is what has happened to each and every one of us 
who have come to faith in Jesus. So don't let the Pharisees, don't let anybody mock or ridicule you to such an extent that you would lose sight of the benefits that you have having been healed by Christ. No longer are you blind because you see the truth as it is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into the world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? What a question. What a question. Are we blind also? Of course, it was a question of ignorance to a degree. But they were speaking truth also. Yes, they are blind. And they are still blind. And so are all the enemies of Christ blind. And those who want to mock and ridicule us, they are blind. But what do we want of them? Do you want to make an accusation against them? making some suggestion that the state, their their unconverted state, is because of some sin in them? Of course it's sin. But we're not making judgment on character or life. What we make judgment upon is those who have heard and do not believe. Shall we pray? O eternal and ever-blessed God, we do thank Thee that Thy Word is a reminder to us that we live in a world that is so full of wickedness and darkness and unbelief. But we do thank Thee for the Gospel of Jesus Christ that is a reminder to us that Jesus came into this world to make the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, the leper to be cleansed. And this he did for all of us who were in a state of unbelief but now have been brought nigh by the blood of Christ. So Lord, help us, we pray thee to pray for those who are still less fortunate than we are in that they are in a state of unbelief. And we pray that through the testimony of thy word Thou wouldst bring them out of darkness into thy marvellous light. Continue with us then, we pray thee, and do thou undertake for us, forgiving all offence, loving us in Jesus. Amen. We're going to conclude by singing in Psalm 71. Again, it's the traditional version of the psalm, and it's from verse 14. Psalm 71, verse 14 through to verse 17. But I with expectation will hope continually, and yet with praises more and more I will be magnified. My, thy judgments and salvation my mouth abroad shall show, even all the day, for I thereof the numbers do not know. And singing on to the end of verse 17, but I with expectation.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, rest upon and remain with you, and with all the Israel of God, both now and always. Amen.